Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Tell you, Father, I just want to give you thanks for the incredible, the length, the height, the breadth, and the depth of who you are. You actually, it says you're unsearchable. It says that you're bigger, and somehow I want to just try to communicate a little bit of what you've been doing in me in the last several days, myself and my wife, and just about how huge you are. And Father, I'm, actually, I'm really praying that you would increase our vision, that you would increase our ability to see more and more like you see. We know you live outside of time and outside of space. You are the creator. And yet you created us in your likeness and in your image. And we know that there's an enemy, Father, who for all this time since man has been on earth, that there is an enemy whose sole job has been to diminish our vision of who you are. To actually cause you to shrink in our sight. But, hallelujah, we thank you for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you've come to guide us into truth. You've come to be our advocate. You've come. Jesus Christ left you with us so that we might see what is the hope of our calling. You desperately want us to see. So with whatever time I take this morning, Father, I just want to get to a few points. I want us to see a little bit more of how big you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, turn to Psalm 8, a familiar psalm. Like I said, um, I got to tell you, I, in the, honestly, in the last, well, several days, um, your pastors, Rod and Julie, have re, we, we've given ourselves to watching, uh, we've watched a lot of DVDs. We've watched rather a lot of uh, videos of particular preachers and and. Um, God's strength, you know, it is true. Faith comes by hearing. Do you hear me? <laughs> Do you hear me? Seriously. I, I, it's almost embarrassing, but I'm not going to worry about the embarrassing part. I want to think, I, I just want to give God glory for the good part. I have just, I have submersed myself in God in the last few weeks, more than maybe I ever have in my life, in prayer and in studying, reading this book, like I shared with some of you, I, I'm not, it's not, I'm not trying to glorify my flesh, but I mean, you know, for whatever reason, every single morning, I'm at least almost, well, I'm almost, almost every morning, I'm at least, I'm reading at least three hours. And that's not to go, wow, isn't that impressive? It's just that God has like flipped a switch in me. And then, like I said, in the evening, we're watching these videos of these incredible ministries around the world. And I'm telling you, faith has just exploded in me. I said, faith has exploded in me. And I'm seeing. That's enough right there. I'm seeing more than I've ever seen. Now, 
at the risk of some of you misunderstanding me, because that's happening to me and to my wife. If you keep coming here, it's going to happen to you. Because what gets on us will ultimately get on you because water flows downhill. Again, that can be a frightening thing to anybody in a position because, you know, that's why you want to make sure there's no uncleanliness in your own spirit because it's a real responsibility to know that if it's on me, it can get on you. <laughs> that's freaky. But this is good. What God's doing is incredibly beautiful. He's stretching our sight. Um, and the thing is, sometimes we can use these words about how big God is, but it's only the Holy Spirit that can reveal. Isn't, isn't that the truth? He, he's the only one that can really begin to reveal heaven to you. And again, reveal the length, height, depth, and breadth. God lives outside of time, like I just said. Now just stop a moment and think about that. He is the creator. He is so far beyond. I mean, I'm going to read some scripture that, you know, his understanding, it says, is beyond measure. Beyond measure. In other words, there's no way on planet Earth, I said there's no way on planet Earth that you and I can measure God because he lives so far beyond our comprehend our ability to comprehend he's out there man i said he's out there i said he's out there he's beyond any stretch of our imagination but he's out there and the more you submerge yourself under his anointings the more you submerge yourself in his word the more you submerge yourself in prayer. And again, I want to remind you about fasting. Like I said in, in January fasting, listen, every month, please do yourself a favor. Just three days. Just fast three days. Just, you, everybody can go three days without food. Just have water. I'm telling you, your life will be revolutionized. I said your life will be revolutionized. I said your life will be revolutionized. Whatever gifting there may be in you will begin to increase exponentially to the point that you will have your mind blown. Just three days. Just begin, and like I said, everywhere in Scripture, as far as that, I don't want to get off on that, but all through Scripture, all through the Old Testament, every time it says God's people humbled themselves, and that's in there over and over again. When you studied out, when it says humbled, it means fast. Every time God's people were in a crisis, I mean, 90% of the time God's people were in a crisis, the leader called for a fast, and after they had fasted, mighty deliverance came from their enemies every time. Fasting. So I don't want this church to forget about this. I want you to really begin to capture, continue to study, buy books of your own, some of the ones we suggested at the first of the year. But really, really give yourself to some of these three-day fasts. I didn't say 40. I just said three-day. I said it will change your life. And I can't make you do that. And I can't make you believe that. But the proof is in the pudding, as we say in America. If you'll get involved, if you'll begin to give yourself to the Lord, not advertise it to people, but just three days, just three days, man, you can live. You won't die. 
things will begin to break open. Really, it's upon, it's upon the authority of our God's holy word that can never be violated that your life will change. Bondages will be broken. Breakthroughs will begin to come. I don't care what the area is of your life. And I'm telling you, if you can create this as a habit in your life, um, there's no limit. Now, see, even right now, when somebody says that, you kind of just, hee, hee, hee. I'm praying for us to have hearing and sight like we've never, ever had in our previous life. I want you to hear heaven's voice. I want you to begin to see. I want you to see so much deeper. I want you to see further than you've ever seen because that's what Holy Spirit's job is. He begins to open your eyes. There's a whole lot more to see. You know how scripture says, now we see through a glass darkly, Paul said. Now we're seeing through a glass darkly. In other words, we can't really see what's there. We just get partial of it. But we don't see what's beyond what's right in front of us. But there's a whole lot of stuff beyond what's right in front of us. And what God begins to do by his spirit is he shows you things to come. And he begins to reveal to you so much that, again, it, that you can get to the point where, you know, the promise of God is true, where he says there will be no occasion for stumbling. There will be no occasion for stumbling. See, those aren't just idle statements. And you get to the place where you actually understand God has promised to meet all your needs. And we're called to believe. I've been getting on that for weeks now, but he didn't say we're to figure it out. You've got to stay away from this mind process. The speaker that we were listening to, one of the things he said was this. He said, a mindset, a mindset set on lack will never produce abundance. A mindset... If you have lack, and most of us, the world has trained us to only, to have, well, we, most of us in this room have a stronghold of lack. Whatever we do, whatever we see, we, soothe, we see through lack. Even when we have new projects God wants to give us to, whatever it may be, writing songs or whatever, going forward albums or just, you know, painting, whatever. We often see, we don't know this, we don't mean to, but we see through the lens of what may not work. <laughs> Instead of, by faith, actually realizing, my God is with me. Everything I touch is going to prosper. Everything, and not just because we're quoting it, because suddenly you become oh so acutely aware. You begin to own the fact that God is with me. He will never leave me. When I walk into a room, God walks into the room. Now again, that's not trying to be melodramatic. 
It's not trying to, nobody's saying I or you or anyone else here is God. But there's a confidence that he wants us to walk in. I want to say again that hell has worked through millennia now to destroy and all of God's people. He's made us smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until like this, you know, those passages in, in uh, Deuteronomy we, or in Exodus, we have a grasshopper mentality. We are grasshoppers in their sight, that we look at the giants of what's would, what would be obstacles in our life, and we meditate and we keep our vision and our eyes upon the impossibility of a situation in the natural, and we begin to develop faith. We don't mean to, but we become, we have a mindset of lack, of our inability to produce results. But a mindset, I like that phrase, a mindset that's set on lack will never produce abundance. So God wants us to be so aware of who he is with us. He wants us to be so aware of how big he is that finally that mindset is destroyed. Julie mentioned it. The Lord is our shepherd. Bless God, we shall not lack. I said, we shall not lack. But see, as you stay in this and you immerse yourself in this, that goes way beyond a confession. Because most of us, our faith confessions are actually hope confessions. Yeah, he's the Lord of my shepherd, I shall not lack. And, and then you kind of, you don't realize it, but in your head you're going, sure hope that's so. And that's where most of us, that's, you know, that's what we identify as where we're at in Christ, our position and just of a, of a position of weakness. It doesn't mean you're weak. It's just that that's something that you don't even realize you've been trained to think like. And, you know, as a man thinks, so is he, right? But it's true. God, we, we just sang about it a moment ago. See, we sing these songs and we clap our hands. Do we actually believe that God brings down every wall? Do we actually understand there is nothing impossible? I mean, God, if he wants to, you know, can open up a few of these tiles. He can open up that wall right there above that radiator and start spitting out 50-pound notes, which I think some of you on that side would enjoy. But honestly, as ridiculous as that sounds, I'm sure when Israel was out in the desert, for God to say, hit a rock, I mean, hit a rock, you got two million people that need water. See, you can't see that big. Two million people. You need enough water for two million people. And God tells his leader, Moses, hit a rock. Actually, told him to speak to the rock. I apologize. That's where, remember, that's where Moses got into trouble because he disobeyed God. He struck it instead of just speaking to it. Instead of speaking to it. Uh, did you hear that? Instead of speaking to it. Did you hear that? God's actual way is speaking to stuff. Right? But anyhow, he, Moses, even in disobedience, that's what, again, the mercy of God. I am so stuck on that phrase. It's blowing my mind. But by the mercy of God, he strikes this thing, and enough water comes out of a rock. 
to quench the thirst of two million people for a long, long while? Two million people. I'm just saying, see, our God, see, there is nothing impossible to him. It's us. We're the ones that carry impossibility around with us. And see, he wants that out of us. Seriously. He wants that out of us. He, when we see a cancer patient, he doesn't want us to instantly have fear. He doesn't want us to instantly think, no, probably not. Hell, hell holds, I'd say, 99.5% of the body of Christ in bondage to negativity. I mean, good people with good hearts, but there's still that something in them that says, well, that was back then. Or, well, it won't work. Or and to the point that you won't even begin to try to bless somebody. So somehow he's opening up our eyes to actually see that he is with us. That we are his children and he is our God. And he said, command me now about what you would like my hands to do. He, did, he said that. I'm choosing to believe what I haven't believed before. Now, Psalm 8, we all know it's familiar, but I want to read this one part again. O Lord, O Lord, let's start from verse 1, Psalm 8, Amplified. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent, majestic, and glorious is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory on or above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and unweaned infants, you have established strength. Remember in that word, there's praise. Out of the mouths of babes and unweaned infants, you have established praise because of your foes that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. Hallelujah. God help us receive that once and for all. Amen. God help us actually receive that. He's ordained praise to shut the mouth of our enemies. That's, again, I've got to stop already. Like I said, this, this phrase, I, I look just in the last two days, like I said, I'm reading. I'm reading, man. I mean, I'm a reading animal right now. And that's not trying to get patted on the back. And it's like there's a supernatural energy in me to do so. But everywhere, God has his people just begin to shout and to sing, mostly sing. I mean, like I've, this trip reading scripture, it has blown my mind. I mean, our heart is towards music, to say the least. The word, you know, like I said, it's, it's the message and it's the music. It's the music and the message. But everywhere, you know, the singers, singers, you just, when you, in the Amplified Bible, when you see, I mean, singers are, it's, it's singers here, singers there, singers here, singers there, singers, 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 singers. Where there's glory, where there's his tabernacle, where there his, his name is, there are singers. I'm just saying there's something so close to this. But one of the things they're commanded, even in the tabernacle day, over and over again, like I said, 4,000 singers in 24 hours a day, they're supposed to be singing. They're supposed to be singing 
Give thanks to the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Now again, over and over and over. And the thing that began to strike me when I kept praying about that, I said, Lord, why is this state, why is this phrase so important? Or why is it so everywhere? Why is it, I mean, everywhere for the Lord? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And he told me, I heard in my spirit, he said, it's a key. When my people begin to declare that over and over again and sing it in particular, continue just to sing it and sing it and sing it, it's the key that begins to unlock different realms. And it unlocks treasure houses. It unlocks boxes where I have all manner of jewels for my people that are ordained to be their apparel, they're to wear it, spiritual jewels. And I mean, and of course, some of you know that have been around us a long time. You know, one of my major studies in my life has been blood covenant. And man, I can't, there's no way I can communicate this to you in a moment, because that's not what I'm trying to share this morning. But the word mercy, over and over again, that he says, we're supposed to, when you go to war, you're supposed to sing, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The word mercy is this Hebrew word hasid, spelled and transliterated C-H-E-C-E-D, the hasid. His mercy, his hasid endures forever. And that word is, it says when you study covenant, it says it is the single word that depicts all of Israel's history with the covenantal God. That all of God's dealings, all of God's blessing, all of God's intention for his people is caught up in this one word, hasid. It speaks to this covenant that God has entered in with his people that is eternal, unchanging, forever. Where he will always forgive, he will always bless, he will always deliver, he will always heal, always Always, always. And again, you say, well, how come it hasn't happened? Because hell has diminished God in our vision. Hell has got us ever so slowly and intentionally to see things from the world's way, not from how God, who lives outside of time, who's a whole lot bigger than this world, how he sees it. But it says we're supposed to sing about how his hasid, his covenant heart of love, his loving kindness, and it'll use that phrase, his loving kindness, mercy, truth, which is the word of met, all these things, anywhere you see strength, anywhere you see loving kindness, anywhere you see mercy, all of that stuff, all of those are words that come up into the middle of Hasid. It's this giant word, I mean, it's this giant word that encompasses all of God's power and grace and might upon his people. And it says it endures forever. The word forever is interesting. It's in the Hebrew, it's spelled with transliterate O, it's Olab, O apostrophe L A L O A B, Olab. But it's so cool. Even in Strong's, you know, Strong's is just one of the most simple concordances you can go to, or, you know, much less going to these Greek or in Hebrew lexicons. But this is what forever means. Olab means to go beyond a vanishing point. Now see, stop and let your imagination work. To go beyond a vanishing point. In other words, at some point, 
the universe, well, we can't see past it. Now, I'm going to talk about this again in just a minute. But I was reading yesterday some of the stuff I was studying because of what I want to get to as far as like the universes and the stars and the planets. I just want to make a mention of stuff, stuff that, again, I just learned and was uh, listening to from some of these videos of these that Julie and I have been watching every evening. But the Hubble, I was reading an article that the Hubble telescope now has discovered a new galaxy, a new universe, a new galaxy that's 1.5 billion, with a B, billion light years out there. Now, how can how, you, how can you see, let me tell you what a light, a light year, if you, to measure, you know, the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, second, to try to give you the idea from here in light years, from here to the sun, our sun, from here to the sun in light years is six minutes away. At the speed of light, we could be to the sun in six minutes. But they've discovered a new galaxy out there 1.5 billion light years away. Well, I, what I'm trying to see is we can't see that far. But remember God spoke and said, light be. And now I know we've said it before, but see there's greater weight on it. When God tried, the very first the scientists will tell you they can't explain it because God did it. But the universe, they said, is still expanding. And that's because when God said, light be, those two words are still traveling. It's stretching 186,000 miles per second. Um, I'm trying to say that's big. I said that's big. See, we're seeing this far. Do you hear me? Just stay up with me. Look, you're seeing this far. We're serving a God that made stuff that big. And we get worried about a hangnail. Or we get bothered because we, we, you know, we can't pay this bill. Now listen, bills are real, but something else I've been learning, I, you know, like I said, I feel silly at times, but see, it is true, the confession of what you actually believe, I, I've said for years, my God meets all my need, and I understand it in context there in Philippians, but I would say my God meets my need because I was fearful. <laughs> in other words, I wasn't saying that in faith. Until now, God's got me to the point because, again, I, I'm, true, I'm giving honor to these other men that I've been listening to. Like, I mean, one of them mainly is like even Jesse DePlantis. Now, Jesse, everybody listen to Jesse DePlantis because how funny he is. But, oh, my God, man, the faith that he walks in, you know, I, like I said, we must have watched eight or nine in the last three or four days. And I've watched others, but Julie and I, thank God, have been watching this. But I mean, this stuff, I, I've really realized when you actually study this, God has. It's not he's going to. See, in God, in God looking from his realm to us, 
he sees all of our needs already met. See, I said they're already met. But until Rod begins to wake up to that, I'll keep making fear-filled faith confessions. Oh, my needs are met. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you kind of, and, and then instantly your head's going, no, they're not. You know they're not. I mean, my God, you don't have the money in your pocket or you don't have the money in the bank. You don't have any money. You know, no, 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 no. Lack, 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 lack. Until you begin to actually see and actually believe, and that's what's happening to me, and that thrills me, and I'm not trying to be pompous about it, but I know if it's happening to me, it's going to happen to you. I really mean that. I hope you don't take that wrong. Nobody's saying Rod's a super saint right now, but I do understand a little bit about Scripture. If it gets on Julie and me, it's going to get on you. So you should be glad that this is starting to happen much stronger to us because if you're part of this house, it's going to happen to you more and more. But the truth is all our needs are met. He wants us to get way beyond that to the place that, listen, 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 this is what's going to offend some of our religious minds. He wants us to get to the place where we realize he wants to know what you want. You shall not want for anything. God wants to know what you want, but you're ashamed to say what you want. It, it, God could care less if you want a new car. I said God could care less. And you're afraid to ask because you think it's greed. And like this, like even like I think it was Justin, but like he said, see, people think it's greed, but actually it's growth. God, he, he's your father. And uh, like he talks about, you know, God, any father that's for real, if you had the money. When my daughter Anna was little, I'm telling you, man, you know, talk about daddy's girl or mama's boy. There's nothing, 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 nothing I wouldn't buy her because she's my baby. She's my baby. And the same with Julie and Jamie. I mean, we just, because that's, that's, that's what happens. See, this is what the spirit of adoption is supposed to begin to produce in us. He's my dad. He's not this big God only. He's my dad. The scripture says he's the father from whom all fatherhood takes his name. He wants to know what you want because as far as he's concerned, I've already met your needs. I've given you clothing. I've given you food. I've given you habitation. And we're supposed to be always thanking him for that because it's a past tense. But most of us, our minds, if we're honest, have not been transformed fully by any means into that area. We're still in fear when it's all said and done. The root of it is, is fear and indecision and doubt. 
about God's willingness to meet your need. But in heaven, but he sees your needs as already met. And he's trying to get you to the place where you see his love to such a degree that you can ask anything in his name and you actually believe that he said, I will do it, that he will do it. God wants you to begin to ask for big things. I said, God wants you to ask for big things. Let me tell you, you have not because you ask not. I'm, I'm, I just, after I've been studying and been in this stuff, I, 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 again, I don't, I'm not fearful of saying it in front of you, but, you know, people think it's greed or something. Like I just said, it isn't growth. But suddenly I just said, you know, see, Julie and I, I've asked God for a big home, a much bigger home. And then the devil will come and say, well, you're 70 years old now. What are you, you know, you're too old for, I said, bull, I'm young. I want a new house. He said, what do you want? I said, I want a new house. I want a bigger house. I want a house that's big enough for my wife to entertain in. And that's not greed. It's just that I just decided I finally, I got free to ask for that. I want a house. And I do. And like I said, when you pray, when you stand praying, believe that you receive. Remember, like I said the other day, don't instantly try to, I wonder how it's going to happen. Start figuring it out. God said, believe. And that's, that's all, that's all, that's all, that's my responsibility. Nothing else. It's not my responsibility to figure out. God said, what do you want? He said, believe. He said, I didn't tell you how to, he said, I didn't ask you to figure out who's going to pay for it. He said, you ask for it. I'm the one that will pay for it. The only thing you have to do, the only, uh, the only job of yours is to simply believe. Only believe. So I've asked for a new house. Hallelujah. I'm going to have a new house. I, I, I am, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual or super faith. I just suddenly have seen something because I've immersed myself in the book. I've actually immersed myself in good teaching again myself. I mean, really, because I'm serious. This year, something's different. And, I'm, to, you know, I'm into March already, and, you know, I'm, I'm, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And I, I, I would like to say with, I will, well, I can say with confidence in my heart that, if you stick with this, you know, you're going to, you're going to, oh my stuff, you're going to get hit in the face with blessing. You're actually going to get hit in the face, in the pocketbook, in careers, in relationship. You're going to be hit with blessing because that's the only thing our God can hit you with, his love and his blessing. Hallelujah. So he's getting me to the point. I'm still, you know, I, like I'm just not, I don't know what, something just flipped. I'm not ashamed anymore. My needs are met. That's what's coming out of my heart now. Do I still have bills? Yes. Do I still have some debt in the natural? Absolutely. But now I've asked for that. I said, Father, well, okay. I ask for all my debt to be gone. That's it. Amen. So all my debt's gone. It's dissolving right now. I made stupid mistakes, like I said, used to even, I mean, all the way back to the day when we'd have guest speakers and I felt funny because we didn't really, I didn't feel like we got enough in the offering to help them, I'd put money on my credit card. How dumb is that? So I've made all the mistakes, but see, I'm way beyond my mistakes now. I've got up here in his grace, 
I've got up here in his mercy, this Hasid, this everlasting covenant, the everlasting arms of God. He is a good, loving God, and I'm in his arms, man. And I'll tell you something, he loves Rod. I'm telling you, he loves me. Oh, he loves me. Knows every dumb thing about me, but oh, he just flat adores me. It's in, wow, what a trip it is to actually believe that I'm loved by God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But because of his blood and his grace and his love, he's so beyond, we try to figure out, oh, how can I ever be worthy? Well, you just got to give up. You'll never be worthy of God. That's why Jesus came. Amen? That's why his son came. So that his righteousness, his right standing might be applied to our ugly old mind and heart and our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, it's good. So in the name of Jesus, right now, any debt that I have and any debt my wife has, right now, it's being dissolved. It's just actually being eaten up, being dissolved. Why? Because I've made a decision to believe. I don't, I don't know how. It's not my job to understand how. It's not my job. My job is to believe. So fear is gone. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm waking up to the love of my father for Rod. And there's just, the love is getting so big on the inside that fear has no room to stay on the inside. Fear is being pushed out. The fear of lack is, I, I don't have a mindset of lack. I'm not going to have a mindset of lack. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God who loves you, who died for you, he's going to rip, if you'll let him, if you'll let him, he's going to rip that mindset of lack out of you. Don't you want that gone? I said, don't you want that gone? Can you dare to believe that our God is big enough to wipe away all the consequences of your stupid actions? I said, all of them? Can you actually believe you serve a God who loves you so much? He wants to wipe away the consequences of every wrong decision you've ever made. Because most of you sit around looking at your problems and rehearsing in your mind and meditating on why you got there because of all the mistakes you made. And you have great faith. You don't, you try, even those that come to church, they're still, they have, and you have, you don't mean to, but you've got great faith about why it shouldn't happen for me. After all, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did that, and I did this. So, you know, he'll never do anything for me. That's a lie. You don't see how big he is. I said, you don't see how big he is. And that's what church is about. You're supposed to hear how big he is so that your mind, I love that phrase, your mind gets blown, <laughs> that your mind gets blown. Just like a leaf blower that blows leaves off of roads and stuff. It just blows all that crud out of your thinking. Let me continue to read. Good Lord God, help me, Father. Unbelievable. Out of the mouths of babes and unweaned infants, you have established strength to praise because of your foes that you might silence the enemy. Verse 3, when I view and consider your heavens. So David looked up 
I don't, you know, I grew up in the mountains myself, so I had night in the mountains. You know, you look up and you see a whole different sky, don't you? Billions of stars and stuff. And David said, when I view and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, think about that. See my fingers right here? See my fingers? See my little fingers? Oh. God's fingers. God's fingers put all those stars up there. I mean, how big do you have to be to do that? I mean, he created the background. He created the, you know, the, the, the canvas. He created the sphere, whatever it is that contains all that. He created that. Now he just placed them all in. When I view and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained and established, he says, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of earth-born man that you care for him. And verse 5 is a verse that upsets a lot of theologians, particularly those who hear it from, quote-unquote, our background, a background of, of being fundamentalist-type believers to Scripture. And David said in verse 5, Yet you have made him, mankind, but a little lower than God, or heavenly beings. God made mankind just a little bit lower than himself. Remember, even angels, even angels are to be our ministering servants, right? And see, boy, that's too big. Too many people, all in the name, they think that it's dishonoring, it's irreverent to begin to thank yourself like that. But remember, Christ and us, the hope and glory, even the Bible says Christ did not think it. can't remember the rest of the scripture. Come on, help me, Sheila. Tell me what it is. Christ thought it didn't think to count himself equal with God. Christ didn't see anything wrong with thinking of himself as equal with God. Now, nobody here is saying we're supposed to think ourselves as equal to. But the scripture says... God is in us, the fullness, Colossians says, that in you dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. See, my puny mind can't figure that out. So if you try to ask me to explain that to you, it's dead subject. I can't explain that to you. But God wants me to believe it. Well, you begin to believe that you're filled with the fullness of God, the fullness of, the, of Jesus, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That kind of puts, uh, to say the least, a little confidence in you, a little swagger in you when you walk. <laughs> God's not only for me, he's in me. Where I go, God goes. i got favor everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, I got when I walk in the room, people begin to favor me. It's like a magnetism. When you begin to believe what God has done and what God has said, it produces like an aura around about you. This is why like people got healed in the shadow of Peter. You be, this stuff begins to have an attractive force. It begins to pull and attract the blessings of heaven. And it begins to defer and diminish the work of hell. It pushes that stuff away from you. That's why, dear God, people hear me. It is worth your time to be in the Word. It is worth your time to pray in tongues a lot. 
I got like a tongue machine going on in me in the last couple of months. I mean, I just, I just, I don't know how to do it, man. I just, it's just like this flow that won't stop, and I'm not going to stop it. You know, I love what Jude says, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And like the Amplified says, it says, like a, it says like a, help me, Lord. Like a building, this is like a building rising higher and higher. And all those years ago when I was just hired as this intercessor, I always remember God showed me way back then. He said, son, I was just walking back and forth, praying in tongues. He said, every syllable, you know, because you're praying, your spirit's praying by the Holy Spirit that's within you. The Holy Spirit prompts your spirit. And then you begin to pray. He said, son, every syllable, every syllable you speak in tongues, is another brick that's going into the wall of what's going to be my perfect plan for your life. And boy, I saw that and I went, because I saw something. He put it in a way that I could see it rising higher and higher like an edifice, rising higher and I praying in the Holy Ghost. So I'm trying to tell you, get in the book, pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling ask him to energize you. Please, you have not because you asked not. I'm telling you, there's no area of your life that's not going to be made more colorful. That's the word God said. He said, I'm going to give you colors that you've never seen. You're going to see color in your life. You're going to begin to see the magnificence of my heavenly paintings. You're going to begin to see color in your life. Hallelujah. I told him, and he said, what do you want? Even like that way, I, Julian, I've been praying for our worship team. I just, because it is, it's part of my, I wake up with it every day. I can't help. I just, be, I keep praying, Father, bring color into our music. I mean color. I don't mind black and white. I don't mind grayscale, but I'm telling you, I want to see the color of heaven. I want to see this stuff. I want to have the fragrance of Jesus Christ in our music, you know. And that's what, you know, it is beginning to happen in us. I said it is beginning to happen in us. It really is. I can see it. Open your eyes. That's one of my big prayers, too. Let me tell you, you remember how Paul prayed, I mean, how they prayed that the scales would fall off. I had to understand that I had scales on my eye. We all have scales on our eyes that we don't know. We think we're seeing but like, again, we are seeing through a glass darkly, all of us, no matter how high we rise up. Let me tell you, there's more. It's all that, it's that basic truth about a ladder. Every time, if it takes a little energy to step up one rung. But every rung you step up allows you to see more than you saw before. Right? That's as simple as it, because you've come up a little higher. And now, see, he's energizing us around the world. The body of Christ is being energized. Come up another step. All those years ago, remember, I mean, all the time, some of the basic statements used to be in church. God, you know, come up higher. All the message, all, come up higher. Come up higher. And the old songs, coming up higher. Well, it's starting to happen. It's, it was true then, but it's like truer now. We're coming up higher, and the higher you move, and the higher, he's your daddy. He'll lift you up on his shoulders. And the more you rise up in him, see, you begin to see more. And I'm sorry, but you, if you're here and somebody else is here, you see more than they do. And it's difficult to explain to them because you're seeing something that they haven't seen yet. 
And you so wanted to see it. It's like she always used that example about, you know, I've been to the Grand Canyon. You can't tell me I haven't been. You know, once you've seen it, trying to describe it is one thing. But if you've been there, some of our team went to the Grand Canyon. Is anybody here from the team that went to the Grand Canyon at that time when they came over to September, you know, to the Jubilee thing? I guess not. But if you've seen it, you know, you just long for others to see it because of the magnificence of it. This is what's happening to some of you already. Some of you have seen a lot of stuff that others around you haven't seen. Haven't you ever been in that position where you're trying to explain or share something with somebody and they just don't get it? They just don't get it. It doesn't make them a bad person, but it so frustrates you and you try every word in your imagination to try to help them see what you've seen. But when it comes to things of the Spirit, my friends, you know, it's God's willing. He's ready, willing, and able to show you everything. But the question is, will you expend the energy it takes to come up another rung? You have made him but a little lower than God or heavenly beings, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Look at verse 6, and then I'm going to read my notes, actually. Hallelujah. It's already 115. Praise God. It's Ayana. Ayana's then going to come up and do a dance for us. Lucy's going to, Lucy said here she's going to come up and juggle. She's going to do juggling for everybody while we eat. Uh, do, do we believe this? God says through David in this psalm, verse 6. Look at it. See it? Just say this with me. God made him. Now, now say it again. God made him. Uh, listen to it. It says, this is David speaking about what God's done to man. You made him for a reason. To have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put some things under his feet. Right? No, it says you, it says you put all things under man's feet. Now, whether you've ever experienced it makes no difference. Whether you've ever seen it makes no difference. From God's point of view, he has put dominion. He has put dominion into the hands of man. Dominion, we see, we get scared, we get scared. We get afraid of the word. It means to dominate. God's put something in you that's so strong that, the, again, the devil's had to work so overtime to kill it, to squash it. God's given us everything it takes to dominate any wrong circumstances. You can dominate unforgiveness in a New York second. You do not have to live with unforgiveness. You do not have to live with grief. You do not have to live with any of that stuff because God's given you dominion over everything. It's in your spirit. You're born of God. You're born from above. You live. You come from a higher level than that stuff. That's such a low-level bunch of stuff. That's such low-level bondage. It's silly. Why on God's name do we still mess with that? Oh, that's why I continue to teach the love walk more than anything. Why, oh, why, oh, why? I don't care whose fault it is. Don't let strife be part of your life. Just, you, you say no to it. It'll come, like it says, like the, even Isaiah talks about fear. says, fear will come, but not by me. Listen, strife's going to come because we're in the earth. And you know why? Also, because a lot of us, we still have a lot of cavities in our brain that are dumb. And, and so we'll, we'll let strife happen. Every once in a while, believe it or not, Julie Sue gets angry with me, and I'm perfect. 
But Julie's learning to just forgive me. And like she said one time, what is it you said God told you? you God told her to forgive me forever for, for anything I ever do in my life. So I try to bring that to her remembrance. You said, you said God told you to go ahead and forgive me forever. Let's just get it over with. So anything Rod does in the future, it's already forgiven. Na, 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 na. Hallelujah. But, you know, it is like a joke, but that's what covenant is. The old joke, well, have you and Julie ever had a fight? Are you kidding me? We've had fights, man. People, the old joke, people said, have you ever really thought about divorce? And I said, no, not divorce, murder, yes, but, but not divorce. You know, I've been so mad at her, I wanted to carve her up, man. Ship, ship her to China someplace. I have. I have. I'm just being honest. And Julie's been so, Julie has been so mad with me, man. She just, she'll go, the door's there. Leave. And, and, but, I, but, you know, the thing is, like I told you before, and I'll get so mad, I just want to get out of the house because I don't want that something, that trigger in me to get, I don't want nothing to go off in me. You know, like when I, before I saved, you don't want to know me when, before I saved. But I don't want that to go off so I'll go outside and shut the door. I try to shut it quietly because, you know, it's too big of a deal if you were selling the door. You know, we're so spiritual, we don't slam doors anymore. We do it in our, we do it in our mind, though. <laughs> but we're too cool in the natural. But I get on the car and I just say, you know, bless God, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to go, I'll go to, a, I'm going to book, I'm going to go to a hotel for coming lights. I'm gonna, anywhere but be around her, anywhere, anywhere. And I'll get in the car and I'll start it up. And it takes about that long. God will say, where do you think you're going? And I'll stop and I'll go, I can't go nowhere, can I? And he said, nope. You're in covenant, boy. You're in covenant with this woman. You are in covenant with this woman. And part of that covenant means I'm with you in the dark places. I'm with you in the light places. I'm with you in the good times. I'm with you in the bad times. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So like the big man that I am, oh, I'll tell you, if you only understood how much strength it takes physically to reach over and turn that key off, because you want to go somewhere. I know that you're all perfect. And then you walk back in the house and you go like, okay, here I am. Where am I going to go? And you know I've got to face her. Anyhow, I'm going to stop right there for that. <laughs> We're talking about God's giving you dominion. Let me, let me, oh, God in heaven, forgive me. God, our God, I, want, I see a little bit of how big he is. Our God, he is omnipotent. That means he's, you know, all-powerful. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. Omniscient means he is all-wisdom. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's all-knowing, and he's in you. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, you don't have to put it up, says, For my, you know this, but listen, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your way. Now, you got to really hear this. It's, you know, we've all read this for years, but boy, like I said, it's hitting me fresh. And your ways are not my ways. I, I, I try to figure out the way, the way, w -A, the way I see things, okay? But he said, your ways are not my ways. I don't do it like that. 
See, I, want, I, I try to figure, well, how's this going to happen? I get into that area, and I'm trying to go see, I'm trying to see the only way I can imagine it would happen. But he's got another way that's, he, he's got ways that are so beyond my comprehension. He's bigger. I got to let him be bigger. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher, higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, you got to catch that. Some, do, you, do you understand how weird it is, how heaven must laugh, how the archangels must look at each other and freak out? We think we can explain God? <laughs> well, this is what God will do. Perfectly. This is exactly... Uh, no. This is the direct... That's it. This is something from one of the articles I read from a, um, a, a theologian. He says, this statement about his thoughts, blah, blah, blah. This is a direct statement about God's transcendence. His nature and plan are infinitely... Everybody say infinitely please? Infinitely. You know, infinite beyond. Infinite. God's, his nature and his plan for Dominic are infinitely beyond Dominic's human understanding. Listen, listen. God is infinitely different from us in his thoughts and his ways. See, it's easy to just nod your head at that. But I, I'm trying to let you, I want you to see, this is why you have to be delivered from impossibility thinking. Because you're trying to figure out with your finite mind how God can do something. But God's mind is infinite, <laughs> infinite. He sees beyond the scope of anything we have. We serve a God that thinks about, he thinks, we serve a God that thinks about our lives, our world, and his creation on a completely different level than even the smartest human being has the capacity to think. Completely different level. Isaiah 40, 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Psalm 147, 5, great is our Lord and abundant in power. Listen, his understanding is beyond measure. It's, here's measure. This is, you know, this is 12 inches. This is about a foot. Here's another foot. God's understanding is way out there beyond. He's beyond understanding. I mean, he's the one that created the heavens and the earth. God is beyond measure. Beyond measure is difficult to comprehend. A man named Kevin Hartnett wrote a book called The Heavens, Intimate Moments with Your Majestic God. He said this, Indeed, through God's own gracious revelation of himself, we can understand God in part. But we can never fully comprehend him or even a single one of his qualities. There will always be more of his wisdom to understand. 
more of his power, more of his holiness, more of his love, we will never fathom him and we will never tire of him. Throughout all eternity, we will look upon him and marvel at the endlessly creative aspect of him, how wonderfully gracious he is, how uniquely righteous, how timelessly beautiful, how unsearchably glorious, this infinitely loving maker and ruler of all. And you've heard me say once, when I found out all those years ago, holy, 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 that they say that, I didn't, you know, when I saw that and this guy searched it out and I saw it and studied about the word holy means different. It simply means a different aspect. It's like you're looking at a multifaceted diamond and you look at it here and it turns just a touch and you see a different view, different lights begin to come from. And that's what we'll be saying forever as we behold this unsearchable God, holy, holy, holy. But we're not talking about his righteousness we're seeing yet another aspect of how his glory is so beautiful. We, we're going to be saying different, different. There's something, there's something different again. But everything that you see different is something unspeakably beautiful. Luke 12, 7. Why, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, you're worth more than many squirrels. The universe is so massive that we struggle to comprehend its size. I mean, like again, you, you ever seen that Lou, what is it, Lewis or Louis, Lou Giglio? He does that Christian thing where he shows all the universe of the earth, the size of the earth, and you get up to the sun, then you get up to the planets, and he gets out to the galaxies to show how big, how far away, how huge the universe is. And then he shows the earth as little pale pink, blue dot rather. And that's where we are. <laughs> amongst these billions of stars and whatever. The universe is so massive that we struggle to comprehend its size. Perhaps, listen, perhaps this was done so that God's eternal power and divine nature could be understood from the things he created. Romans, it says that God can be seen th through creation. In other words, we... So we, in other words, the universe, as we consider and look at the stars, what is man? In other words, so we could get a glimpse, just a glimpse of how immense he is. Astronomers say the universe is, quote, unquote, goes on forever seemingly. Now listen to this statement. Could it be that in power and majesty, God is bigger than anyone can imagine? Could it be that God is showing humanity something about himself through what is created? Listen to this. I love this. Could it be that as a German, there's a German philosopher named Friedrich, Friedrich, excuse me, Friedrich Schiller, Schiller. He said, the universe is simply one of God's thoughts. Now you got to catch that. He's, as he's creating all the universe, as far as they're out there, God just said one day he was sitting there and as he was creating, he went, he just thought and boom. It's just one of God's thoughts. 1.5 billion light years away, there's a new galaxy. That was just one of God's thoughts. Hmm. I mean, how big is he? I love that. Just one of God's thoughts. Hallelujah. Everybody say, Rod's changing pages. I need a page turner. Oh, God, help me be quick. 
unbelievable. Forgive me. You're going to have to forgive me forever like my wife does. He is a God powerful enough to create worlds, yet detailed and thoughtful enough to knit us each together in our mother's wombs. He is infinitely and intimately involved in even the tiniest aspect of creating life. Remember when I shared with you about all, and this I'm, I'm racing to a climax here, so everybody say hallelujah, hallelujah. But remember I shared a while back about how there's diamonds raining in different parts of the universe? And, and so I looked that up. I wanted to make sure diamonds big enough to be worn by Hollywood film stars could be raining down on Saturn and Jupiter, U.S. scientists have calculated. New atmospheric data for the gas giants indicate that carbon is abundant in dazzling crystal form in their atmospheres. Lightning storms turn methane into soot or carbon, which as it falls hardens into chunks of graphite that then turn into diamond. There begins to occur diamond hailstones that eventually fall into this planet into a liquid sea, to, liquid sea in the planet's hot cores, they told a conference. People asked me, how can you really tell? And they said, they said it all boils down to chemistry. And they said, we think we're pretty certain, Dr. Kevin Baines. In other words, when you look at them, they can see through chemistry what takes place. The biggest diamonds would likely be about a centimeter in, di in diameter at first, big enough to put on a ring, although of course it would be uncut, says Dr. Kevin Baines of the University of Wisconsin-Madison at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. He added that they would be of a size that the late film actress Elizabeth Taylor would, would have been proud to wear. <laughs> but then, I love this thing, the bottom line is that 1,000 tons of diamonds a year are being created on Saturn. 1,000 tons of diamonds. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, I've got to, I really do want to finish. I really do need to finish. This, is, this would probably take another 30 minutes, but I've done blown it, so I can't do it now. God never wastes anything. God never wastes anything. I've got scripture on that. Uh, for example, I mean, in, okay, in John 6, 12, Jesus said, you know, about the people that were fed, the multitude. He told the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. I've got all kinds of scriptures. Leviticus 10, 16, Moses was angry when these priests had offered up this offering, this goat or this lamb, and they had not eaten it. They let it be burned and consumed entirely. He was angry. God was angry that this sacrifice wasn't used. It was burned up entirely, waste. Isaiah 45, 18, we've got it in there. God did not create the earth to be a waste. Everything he creates has purpose, and he refuses to waste anything. Now, this is something I learned, like I said, listening to the speaker. It's going to blow your minds. Now, first of all, can, can you possibly stretch your imagination to believe that God never wastes anything? Now, we're talking about how big God is, right? 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 Lucy, quit looking at your watch. It really offends me. Honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I just noticed she looked at her watch. Take, go take her watch off. Take her watch off. Slap her. Every woman, listen, this is not a joke. God never wastes anything. Do you know that every single female, every single female, did you know that you females, when you're born, you have two million, you have just over two million eggs in you? Eggs. 
from which a child can be born. Why would God put two? God who knows everything, who wouldn't ever waste any. Why would God put two million eggs in a woman? <laughs> My God, can any women conceive just having half of that amount of babies born? Just one million babies? But see, back in the beginning, we have no comprehension of God's perfect created beings, what they could handle. We can't see past that now. But listen, the heavens and the works of his hands are the Lord's. And you know what these guys were saying? One of the reasons why God put two million, what his ultimate desire is. Now, you're going to want to fight with me about this. I don't care. <laughs> because God, what if he's big enough? What, just, just, what if God is big enough? What? If God's ultimate desire, what if when Jesus comes and we have glorified bodies, don't freak out. I mean, you know, remember it says that a, a child that's a hundred years old will be thought to be a baby. If you're a hundred years old, you'll just be a baby during the millennial reign of Christ. But these guys are saying, really, God wants, I don't, God, I'll just shut up and say, God wants to populate the universe. That's what I figured would happen. <laughs> you can't conceive that, can you? I can't, either, I can't either, really. But like I said, God wants me to begin to think about the impossible. God wants me to see far beyond what I've ever seen. I just don't want to limit God. Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. I don't want us to limit God. I said, I don't want us to limit God. Get to the place where you understand how big your God is. I said, get to the place where you begin to comprehend how big your God is. Quit. Be, do not have a mindset of lack. Have a mindset of faith in your Father's love for you. And understand your needs are met. It's just you've got to have a reversal in the way you think. And understand that God wants to know what you want because he loves you that much. He wants to destroy fear. He wants his love to be so strong that the fear is taken out and the faith has come in. And you realize I'm not trying to be pompous. I'm not trying to be greedy. I just discovered I have an eternal father that loves me that much. He loves Rod so much he wants to do anything Rod wants. But see, you love God that much, you don't want to do anything against God's will. Right? Okay, I'm done. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.